Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Thursday, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox Guardians coming up, 6-10 pregame show, 7-10 first pitch, series finale in Cleveland. Sox looking to get the series after a sloppy game yesterday. Joining us now is Buster Olney, our ESPN MLB insider. Buster, how are you? I'm doing great, Brady. How you doing? I'm doing well as well. I got a lot of Red Sox stuff. I want to hit you with a couple of uh, kind of uh, more generic stuff here off the top. First and foremost, I want to uh, congratulate you and all your colleagues and all of baseball, really, for what you did last week for for ALS and raising money and raising awareness and and, in honor, in your case, of Sarah Langs, your ESPN colleague. I watched Sunday Night Baseball. She was great on that. I listened to Carl Ravitch on the Jared Carabas podcast yesterday. He was great. Baseball did a great thing last week for Sarah, but also for ALS awareness. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, and, you know, Sarah, when she came on the podcast uh, with me earlier this week, I said to her, you know, she provides numbers for us. So I, you know, dug in and provided some numbers for her. Uh, you know, her friend Mandy Bell ran a half marathon in January in honor of Sarah Rose, $105,000. Uh, uh, you know, Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, uh, started a movement with T-shirt sales and, and on behalf of in Sarah's name and, and has raised about $60,000. Uh, you know, go on and on and on. You know, the, the Carl's, uh, you know, sale of Langstar's, mm-hmm. that's about $125,000, $150,000. You know, she has, uh, she's someone who doesn't necessarily like the spotlight, doesn't want to be front and center and everything. But she also understands that she has a platform because of her circumstance, and she wants to use it, and she's embracing it, and she's doing all these shows and having all these conversations and having a tangible impact on ALS awareness and ALS funding. You know, there's no easy way to transition out of that conversation to something fun, but I'm going to try to to do it gracefully here. I only recently found out a couple of years ago, I don't know where I was for the last 25 years, but I only recently found out that there was a Red Sox-Yankees media game every year, and I was talking with Tom Karen of Nesson about it yesterday. He said he's never played in it. You covered the Yankees for a while. Have you ever played in the Red Sox-Yankees media game? Yes. Uh, I played in one game. I uh, it was in Fenway Park, and it was, of course, for me, living out a boyhood dream. Uh, having you know gone to so many Red Sox games there as a kid, uh, I got uh, a hit to left field, a clean <laughs> single to left field. Uh, I uh, I'm not going to talk about my two strikeouts, uh, and I also got a lifelong memento because I uh, stupidly played in short. I don't know what I was thinking, but I went sliding into second base and so i have a scar on my uh on my left (laughs) a big scar that'll be there forever courtesy of fenway park because you know i was thinking it was like playing on the grass as a kid no it was like these little pebbles completely tore my leg up uh so yes i i will always remember that and i can't forget it based on this big scar on my leg you know, Buster, I have I have done a lot of cool things as a fan or as a as a broadcaster, right? I've been to a World Series game, I've been to an ALCS game, I've been to Super Bowl Media Week, I've been to the NCAA tournament. The thing on my sports bucket list that I've never done is go to Omaha for the College World Series. The Super Regionals kick off tomorrow on all the ESPN family of networks. I'm curious though, have you ever been to Omaha? Is that something you've ever wanted to do? Yeah, I've been there, and, and uh, you know, it's interesting because when I covered minor league baseball, the Nashville Sounds back in the day, I covered a, a uh, uh, games in Omaha, Nebraska. But for college baseball, for the College World Series, 
I was there, I want to say, about six, seven years ago. We did some baseball tonight there, uh, and, and that was really fun. And it was amazing. And all the, you know, I went to Manorville and all the, you know, players I speak with there from that great program about their experience. They just love it. They love the energy. And you could feel that, right? The, the, the uh, fans being so excited and making the long journey to, to root on their team out of this uh, little ballpark in the middle of nowhere. It is a cool bucket list experience, no question. Well, I'm certainly – I've already made the decision. I'm going next year. That is the goal. So we're talking with Buster Olney of ESPN, our MLB insider. Buster, let's transition to the Red Sox. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. Matt Dermody is going to start today against Cleveland, and, and his old tweets have resurfaced. Um, this is this is a, a can of worms for the Red Sox that is that is kind of tough no matter how you look at it, right? Hyam Bloom has said we can't legislate people's religious beliefs. He's also said that you know he's apologized, so it's okay. Here we are. It's Pride Month. The Red Sox have a Pride event coming up soon. This is a can of worms that I don't think the Red Sox really wanted to be a part of, but here they are. Um, what is your take on this? Yeah, it's mind-boggling how they handled this. Uh, and not that you know, and I'm not questioning whether or not they'd have Matt Dermody on the team. But think about, you know, first off, in this day and age, 2023, after stuff that's happened in the past with guys like Josh Hader, it is right off the bat. You, you scratch your head, like, how were they not aware of this? Yep. To begin with, but that to me is a, a C minus. That's like a a misdemeanor offense. The felony and the handling of this is, you know, according to to the Red Sox. They knew about this in spring training, and they spoke with them about it. Why in the world did they fail PR 101 and not get out in front and tell him, look, we're going to tell reporters that this happened. Uh, we're going to explain you know, that uh, you know, this happened uh, in the past and that you've taken that tweet down, and we're going to have you meet with reporters. We're going to rip the bayonet off. We're going to put full sunlight on this. So in spring training, when nothing else is going on, we can address this. So moving forward, if you make come get to the big leagues, you'll be past it. Instead, <laughs> at a time when the team is at a crossroads, you know, they're, they're to trying to decide whether they're going to buy or sell. Are they going to get back in? Can they actually turn around and, and be relevant in the American League uh, playoff race? They have to deal with it in midseason. The fact that they knew about it in spring training and didn't deal with it then in terms of making it public, is mind-boggling to me. You know, you talk about not knowing and calling it a misdemeanor offense. I, I, I'm curious, from your all your years of covering baseball, how much vetting goes into guys that are organizational depth pieces, a spot starter, a guy you may think, honestly, may never get to your big league club? How much are those guys vetted? Uh, with, with, uh, with a lot of teams, it's extensive. Right. I, I mean, and look, the Red Sox were the foremost uh, at the forefront of that. I know it wasn't a, a part-time player like you're talking about, but as you know, before they signed Carl Crawford, they actually had a private eye follow him around. And given all the analysts that each organization has now, you know, teams of, you know, 10, 15, two dozen analysts, you're telling me it wouldn't be worthwhile to do a background check and to ask simple questions? That seems pretty easy. It seems like a layup to avoid situations like this where they're all, you know, kind of scrambling to put this player in the best possible situation going into the start, which is why I, I, it, it makes you scratch your head. Uh, especially, again, this is not the first time we've seen this with, a, a, you know, an athlete having a social media history. That, that playbook is out there, and teams should be aware of that. 
And I know from talking with executives of the other teams, they do look into that stuff before they add the player. Buster only of ESPN with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Dermody going to take the mound for the Red Sox tonight. 7-10 is the first pitch in Cleveland as the Sox look to win the series. Let's transition to another lefty, and that's Chris Sale, a guy who uh, is injured yet again. You had worried about him with his shoulder specifically throwing max effort. He says he doesn't think he's going to need surgery, but we don't know kind of what the prognosis is. I am not at worst-case scenario stuff, but I'm really thinking we're not going to see Chris Sale before August at the earliest. What is your thoughts on sale right now yeah first and foremost and you know this uh the the way that treatment of elbow injuries how far that's come there's a lot more certainty you can put a timetable you can feel confident about how that's going to be handled with shoulders it's a whole different ball game uh a lot more uncertainty and you know you guess august i would guess sometime around august as well but we don't know and yep. the other thing too is i mean chris sale when he came back he had success and he was uh you know, much better because he was throwing a lot harder. But as you and I talked about weeks ago, uh, that was because he was going to that max effort delivery. And, you know, I ran that, by the way, past folks with other teams. And I'm like, look, I'm an idiot sports writer. I don't really know what I'm looking at. Are you seeing the same thing I am? And that this pitcher basically launching himself like he's a javelin thrower off the mound in order to generate velocity. That's exactly the take I got from other teams. So the question for the Red Sox coming forward, not only is Chris Sale, you know, when is he going to be back and when is he going to be healthy, but can he be successful without that? Or is he going to go back to doing that? And if he goes back to max effort delivery, how long can that last? Is that sustainable? And, and those are all questions that I can't answer. Red Sox are getting ready to take on the Yankees this weekend. Yankees come in with issues. Aaron Judge is on the injured list with the toe problem. Out for, are we feeling like this is a minimum of 10 days, or like the 10-day minimum? He's got the PRP injection, and then he's good, or could it linger? Yeah, the other day, Aaron Boone, who, of course, worked with me on Sunday Night Baseball, he's a good friend. He's speaking with the reporters, and he talked about uh, you know this injury being a matter of weeks, and then he caught himself and change that to days, and I'm paraphrasing there, it's not an exact quote, but it was a dead giveaway that this is more serious than what the Yankees are letting on. Now, it might be, you know, that uh, he heals up, that it's a couple weeks, but DJ LeMahieu, you know, his, uh, his teammate, spoke with reporters about his toe injury last year and how it can be a real big deal. You know, last Saturday when he made that incredible catch against the Dodgers and, and you know, smashed through the, the wall in Dodger Stadium, there were a lot of, you know, sort of jokes about how he, you know, he that uh, Aaron Judge met the wall and Aaron Judge won. Well, in fact, the wall did because there's a I went out there the next day. There's a six inch uh, rise of concrete that comes out of the ground there. He smashed his right foot against that. There was no give. I think I, I not only is he going to be on the injured list, but you do wonder going forward as a hitter how much that's going to affect him in his performance and maintaining his balance in the box. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this. This is another off-topic thing, but it's interesting. And it comes not from Vermont. It comes from my high school in the Albany area in New York. I'm not in the business of judging the decisions of 17-year-olds, but I found this interesting that all seven seniors on the softball team at my high school are foregoing the state championship tournament to go to the senior prom. What's your take on that? Wow. Wow. Well, uh, you know, I mean, here's the thing. 
I, yeah, that would not be the decision where I would land, but you know what? I didn't have a lot of dates when I was in high school. You <laughs> I can, know? I can so, tell you, I went to that high school's prom. It wasn't that memorable. I'd rather have the state title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. That's a surprise to me. But again, I, I, you know, I think that to each his own, right? Yes. Everyone's going to have their own experience in high school. And if that's the way they want to go, tip of the cap to them. But that is not the way I would have gone. <laughs> uh, as I said, in part, it, the decision was made easy for me just because I had no social life. Absolutely. Me too. Trust me. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB insider. Buster, you're the best. Yankees, Red Sox, is that going to be Sunday night baseball? We got the notification that the game had been moved to 7-10. Is that now Sunday night baseball? Yes. Each of the next two weeks. We've got Red Sox and Yankees this weekend in the Bronx and next week in Fenway Park. Okay, there you go. So we'll see you on uh, on the national coverage the next two weeks, and we'll talk to you in seven days. Thanks, Brady.